Good morning, the Lighthouse Church. Thank you for your warm welcome. I, uh, I said this earlier, but uh, it's always obligatory that the guest speaker honours the pastor. I'm not doing this because it's obligatory. I'm doing it because it's true. I, uh, I am in my role, have the privilege of meeting many leaders and national leaders across our nation and other nations. And uh, Paul's the real deal. He's both an encourager to me personally. He's humble. And we talk about servant leadership. A true leader serves. And I've found him serve me at times. And that's why he's the real deal in my eyes. And so you need to honour your pastor, guys. I'm going to share a little bit about me, about the organisation I serve, and then uh, a little bit about what I feel God wants us to hear this morning. Paul said, I am Chief Executive Sports Chaplains UK, and that's correct, I am. But basically, that just means I work with some wonderful leaders up and down our nation, impacting the community of sport. And that's an immense privilege, and it is all about serving people. But I want to share a little bit about myself, mainly because you're thinking, who's this big bloke on the stage from Yorkshire? Actually, I'm a Mancunian. I was born in Manchester. So, yeah, Paul. I always cheer when I cross over the Pennines when I see the red roads. So, uh, I say, oh, he's put, the, he's put it up. I, I, I don't normally have my wife with me. And uh, some people may think I do a cut and paste on this because my wife's gorgeous. And I usually show a picture of my wife mainly because it, you must think he can't be all that bad if he's got a wife like that. So give my wife a warm welcome. She, uh, to be honest, she, we talk about leadership. Our wives and family take flack that other people will never see. I can't do what I do without my wife's support. So I honour my wife in that sense. Bless you, sweetheart. She'll tell me off afterwards, but that's fine. That's what wives are there to do. Keep you, keep you humble. But uh, I also want to share a little bit about my family because... I've got three boys, Jacob, who's uh, in the middle at the back there, Nate, he's 20, Nathan, who is 19, and then our little surprise package, yes, it was a surprise package, Alexander, who is seven, and you think, yes, all to Juliet, because she doesn't look young enough, but yes, all to Juliet, and as she would say, he's our heart's desire, in that sense, they're all three of them are our heart's desires, but I am one of four brothers as well, and uh, as you'll see on your left, my right, my twin brother is a business and pastor. My older brother to the left, your right and my, my left, yeah, uh, is, is a pastor and evangelist. And then my brother in the middle is a professional musician. And uh, they're wonderful guys. And guess what? They're all more gifted than I am. They're all great orators and, and great speakers. And I'm going to touch on that in a second. But you'll see a gorgeous couple there. That's my mum and dad. And uh, my dad was a pastor, and still is pastoring. My mum passed away only a couple of months ago. Uh, and I want to touch on that because it's not just what you say. It's not just how you say it, but it's what you carry. Can I be vulnerable? My, my mum, and it's still raw this, but when my mum passed away and at her celebration service, we didn't talk about how big a house she had or how big a car she had. We talked about how many lives she impacted. Yeah. She wasn't on a platform. She just loved on people. You know, someone said, I only met, I, we had, this wasn't just one, we had numerous cards saying, I only met your mum once, but she impacted my life. She prayed for me. She remembered my name. The power of one. The legacy that she left 
the heritage that she left. She's celebrating in glory right now, waiting for us to join her. But the truth is, why have I shared that? Because we can all leave something. What are you leaving? My mum was a holy, gracious, I would say one in a million, but that would do a disservice. And I know everyone doesn't have a great mum. So at times, I know that's not an easy thing to share. But I also want to share this, that we've all had, if you've lived more than five minutes, we've all had a challenging season. And if you've lived more than five minutes, you will know that life throws curveballs. At times, it can hit you over the head by a two before. And the reason I say that is because the great theologian Rocky Balboa said this. I like my sport. He said this, it's not how hard you can get hit. It's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. So often God isn't looking for the best. My brothers are better orators. They're better communicators. At times, God's just wanting a willing vessel. And if you're not bothered about who gets the glory... I can tell you now the job will get done. I'm a nobody. I mean that. I don't mean that. You know, I'm not supposed to say this as a speaker. You're never supposed to come and, and, and put yourself down. You, know, you don't. You, you say how great I am and then you're going to get blessed because I'm, I'm not. But the truth is, we've all got gifts and capacity. And at times in life, I've realized, a good friend of mine said, until you're broken... God can't fully use you. I never fully understood that till I was broken. Never fully understood it. I had a huge capacity. I've always worked hard, always done long hours, always been on sleep deprivation. But I pastored a church, been in business, pastored a church, and in that season of pastoring a church, that's where I got involved in sports chaplaincy. Someone came up to me and said, uh, God's told me you're the next sports chaplain to Bradford Bulls. And I went, I'm glad he's told you, he better tell me. And that was back in 2009 and I went on a journey. And in 2011, I stepped out of leading a, a small church in a community centre. And in 2012, I was privileged to oversee rugby league, uh, which is what Paul's sport is. And why I, I say there's a gap, because as a leader, I was broken that season. God had given me visions and dreams and they didn't happen. Not because... I ain't done what God had asked me to do because sometimes we think the results are all dependent on us and sometimes they're not. And I remember shouting at God. I said, I don't like church. God says, I love my church. I said, I don't like church. I love my church. And eventually I said, okay, God, I love your church, but I'm, I don't particularly like it at this moment in time. And I said to God, why all those promises you gave me didn't come to pass? He said, my promises did, but some people were disobedient. But he said, I, do not, I don't measure you on success. Success for us as Christians is obedience to God. And so in that broken state, I said, God, I'm still willing. I'm still willing to press through the pain, the heartache. And you so the reason I, I share that is because I'm a nobody, but I am willing. I'm a nobody, but I'm willing to take the hits. I'm a nobody, but I'm willing to carry on step moving forward. And so I have the privilege of working with many, many leaders up and down our nation. And uh, I'll share a little bit about what we do. I could easily go off task here. I've got to keep on task. Uh, because we all have those stories. 
Uh, I have the privilege of being Chief Executive Sports Chaplains UK, but also Chair of Bradford Bulls Foundation. And Bradford Bulls Foundation impacts about 25,000 people in its location every year. Well, it did before COVID, it will do afterwards. Uh, I'm also Chair of Global Sports Chaplains in Chief Executive Sports Chaplains UK. And they impact probably about 50,000 individuals and we'll say this graciously, I know it's a lot more, but I hate exaggerating, at least 50,000 a month. All the sports ministries in the UK and Europe put together don't have the same social footprint that we have in a year that we do in a month. Now, I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying it to impress upon you. If God can use me, he can use you. Don't let your past hurt, your pains, your challenges stop you from doing what God says. Because we see the immediate. Paul touched on this, but God sees the eternal. And so often as church, we're operating in the temporal when we should be working towards the eternal. So let me share a little bit about sports chaplaincy before I, uh, I get carried away. Sports chaplaincy, if you just, oh, he's put it up. He's, he's good, this lad. Uh, sports chaplaincy is an organization I have the privilege of working with. Uh, we've been established over approaching 30 years. We work across all the home nations. And uh, we've trained, and we've got a global reputation, but we've trained hundreds of chaplains each year. But we've probably trained more in lockdown than ever before. Why? Because I want people ready to go. Ready to be. Not wait till it, we'll have a plan and a strategy. You don't need a plan and a strategy knowing that people are going to have mental health challenges, bereavement challenges. Don't, it's not rocket science. So let's get ready in that sense. And then there are about 600 plus chaplains across the UK serving their community. I know Paul serves in an elite club, but actually for me, the community of sport is not just the elite clubs, but it's every single club from your community grassroots clubs, your kids football club, your girls netball club, your gym, whatever it might be. So don't just pencil it. And if you think I don't like sport, please don't switch off. This isn't about sport. This is about God and people. I want to share this. Sport is an activity, but it's also a community of people. And that's what I want you to remember this morning. Sport is a community of people. So we have the privilege of working with national governing bodies and local clubs and all those logos on there. Uh, I haven't just cut and pasted them off a website. We have working documents to work with all those groups of governing bodies. And one of the reasons we do that is because people trust us. We've not broken that trust. We've not got our foot in the door and done what we wanted to do. We've operated by being... I think whoever said it, God's not a man that he should lie. So often, sometimes we think, oh, I'm being clever, I've got in the dark and do what I want. No, it doesn't. God knows the boundaries that you're operating in and he'll open the doors for you in that sense. But we partner with local and national churches and we work with like-minded organisations, charitable organisations, from Compassion to the Gideons who were formerly the Good News, uh, are now uh, Good News for Everyone. So Good News for Everyone produce New Testaments, you'll see them out there. But we work with them and work with the clubs that if a club wants a New Testament, because you've got to get their permission, with their logo on, that we can facilitate that. And we've been privileged to give about 110 uh, New Testaments branded out to over 25,000 people. You'll never see that on our website because we don't want the sport to know or feel that we're our only primary getting into serving them is to give them a Bible. Yeah. But so often the church needs to know seed is being sown. And it doesn't take five minutes. We're not a business here. We're about discipleship. So as an organization, we have 
I believe, a God-given dream. You know, if you've got a dream and you can do it, God bless you, but it's not from God. Because if it's from God, it'll be beyond you. It's way beyond your capacity, way beyond your capability, because it's God. We've got to be relying on God. So our dream is to see an expression of God's love and compassion in every community called sport. And Paul's already said that community consists of 30 million people. That's not spectators. That's people who go to the gym. You drop your kids off at football, basketball, netball, swimming. You're going in your park run. You're going in your cycle. Don't just think elite, but think every stratosphere of sport and engagement in health and fitness. That is the community we're talking about. And for us, Sports Chaplains is a real pioneering ministry. It's about showing the radical love of Jesus in a practical way. About serving people open-heartedly. Loving everybody and not judging them. You know, so often people could judge that, but actually it's one of the most profound forms of evangelism. Loving people. Being consistent. Being honest with people. And I've got a question I want to start and ask you before we, we open in prayer. What do you see? What do you see? Let's pray. Father God, I hope that we go on a journey this morning. A journey of revelation. A journey that will challenge us and stir us. And maybe even a paradigm shift take place. But Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you that your Bible is full of wisdom. Lord, I thank you for what it says we can do and who we are. And Lord, I thank you that you have said so many good things about your people. You've planted seeds of greatness in each and every person in this room. But right now, Father, I pray that, you'll, you'll, that our hearts and minds will be receptive this morning to receive afresh from you. Lord, and I pray that you will touch me by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will speak through me for your name's sake in your precious and wonderful name's sake. Amen. Amen. I think I'm a bit more excited than you. Can we just ramp it up a little? Is that all right? Fantastic. Sport is what I'm going to be talking about. You'll see an image come up to me. It's a, it's a seesaw. We've got SP, O is the pinnacle bit. O is that pivotal bit where everything hangs on O. You can't enjoy a seesaw if you've not got an O. And then you've got R and T. And I'm going to go through that. But basically, I'm using an anagram. I had to look that up on Google. An anagram is simply a word that every letter means something. And that's what we're going to go through this morning. What do you see? He's just going to throw up a picture. I already explained I've got three, but I, I we have three boys or men. And uh, just go to the next picture, please. And our oldest boy, when he was younger, watched the uh, water aid adverts and the Christian aid adverts and anything to do with crisis. And he would cry because he would see a child in desperate, desperate need. And he was moved with compassion. He'd see a child hungry and a swollen belly and the flies and everything else. And as a child, he would cry. And so as a family, we sponsor three girls across other parts of the world because it's ethically, morally, and spiritually right. But we do it because we saw something and we were moved with compassion. When Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. He was compelled to respond to the crowd. Why? Because it loves people. And so we move with compassion when we see some desperate situations. When we visibly, visibly see desperate situations. Just put up the next slide. What do you see? 
Some of you may think of someone fit, healthy and wealthy. Someone might think of your favorite athlete, your favorite team. We won't go into Paul's team. But your favorite team. You may be passionate for that team. You may be passionate for that sport, that individual. But you're not compassionate. And my challenge to you this morning is, church, are we called to be culturally different? I'll say that again because some of you are thinking twice about it. Church, are we called to be culturally different? Some of you are still unshell, but we'll get there. We are called, the scripture says, we're called to be culturally different. But if we look at a community no different to anyone else, are we any different? Say that again. If we look at a community no different to anyone else, are we any different? So if I stand on the touchline and berate the referee and swear and cajole and shout at the kids' opposition, am I any different? No. Why? Because I see what everyone else is doing. I'm responding just out of the flesh. But I want to challenge you this morning. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, man looks on the outward appearance. Yeah. But God looks upon the heart. And so when I look at the community of sport, I'm challenged because I I believe God says, I want you to look through my eyes of compassion. Don't judge them. But look at that community through my eyes of compassion. And when we look at a community through the eyes of a compassionate God, we see something different. Instead of judging them, we see that they're heartbroken. They have the same challenges and issues as us. The parents have passed away, or the kids ill, or they've got financial challenges. Why? Because instead of judging the outward appearance, we start seeing what God sees. Broken people. People without always the hope that we think they've got. And so a moment's revelation demands a different response. And once you realise when God's asked you to look at a community through his eyes of a compassion, you're compelled to do something different. 30 million people, I say that again because I think God gives a damn for 30 million people. But so often because they play at a similar time to us, we think we're in competition with sport. But the truth is, it's the largest untapped mission field in the United Kingdom. And if we carry on looking at them through and judgmentalise, we'll never do anything different. But when we look at them through the eyes of a compassionate God and realise that God sent his son to rescue us and rescue them, then we will move differently. We'll be compelled to respond differently. Next slide. He says, this, is, this isn't to denigrate sport, this next slide. It's to see what God sees. God sees a community malnourished and thirsty and destined for. And guess what, church? He's chosen you and me to impact that community. But if we're judging them, if we're looking at them, if we're looking at them like everyone else, then we'll respond like everyone else. But when we look through the eyes of a compassionate God, will respond differently. If we choose to take off our religiosity, our judgment, our bias, our prejudice, and say, God, have your way in my life and mean it, maybe we'll see something different. Just put the next slide up. See, see, for the Lord sees, not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. P. SP, P is for pray. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic 
and can, be tr- and can have a tremendous power. Prayer is one of the most underutilized tools in your, our kit bag. Why do I say that? Prayer is not just communication with God. Prayer is so much more. You know, maybe we need to pray differently. You know when you drop your kid off or you're watching your sports club, instead of thinking I'm going to pray for a win, I'll just ignore him. Maybe you can pray for your friends who are there. Or maybe if you stood on the touchline and you say, instead of just getting, you know, if you're not intentional, you get drawn and dragged along, the pack mentality. We're not called to be in the pack mentality. We're called to stand out. And so when we step up to that touchline, maybe we can say a simple prayer, Lord, wherever you are at work, can I join in? And maybe when I look down that touchline, I see Tommy's dad, and Tommy's dad doesn't look quite as well or as enthusiastic as he normally looks. And I say, Tommy's dad, what's wrong? And he says, I lost my grandmother last week. And you think, oh, I wish I'd never got into this conversation. No, all you've got to do is say, I'm so sorry. And I will be thinking and praying for you next week. What does that communicate? I care. I care. And if you ever see them again, you tell them you've been praying for them. Why? Because we serve a God who cares. You know, so often church, we're like postmen and we judge what people are going to say when we put a letter through the letterbox, a letter of love from the creator of the universe. And we're judging it that they will say something. You know a postman, when he puts something through your letterbox, is he really bothered about what you think or feel? No, he's doing his job. He's putting letters through your letterbox because that's what he's paid to do. Church, your life has been paid for by the blood of Jesus and your responsibility is to deliver letters of love and compassion to a hurting community. I'm going to come back to O because that's the pivotal bit. And if you think of being tough now, you want to wait till I get to O. Uh, R is for relationship. For God so loved the world. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a nice picture of Paul and me and a good friend of mine, uh, Robbie Hunter Paul. And why do I say that? Because it's all about relationship. It's not about programs or process. It's all about relationship. God sent his son to hang on a cross to die and bleed for you because he loved you and wanted a relationship with you. He wanted some intimacy with you, but sin had stopped that intimacy taking place. So he stepped from the majesty of heaven and put his feet on planet earth and suffered so we could have a a relationship with him. How awesome is that? He wants you to have a relationship with other people and be a signpost to him. You know, in Ezekiel, it talks about God said, command breath, command life to those dry bones. I believe that's a command to each one of us. To speak life and hope to the hopeless in the communities that God's planted us. Why has God planted you? Because he's got something for you to do. So do it. Mother Teresa says this, if you judge people, you've got no time to love them. If you judge people, hey, how easy is it to judge? We don't like that top she's wearing. Ooh, that's a bit, oh, he's got bad breath. Uh, We judge people all the time. If If God judged us the same way, we'd be snookered, wouldn't we? Well, we'd be more than snookered. Why can't we just look at people through those eyes of compassion? And when we do, it means we're going to look at and build relations. It also means we're going to pray differently as well. 
also says this, the, the, there's a French guy, he's like the French Sherlock Holmes, called Edmund Lockhart. Every contact leaves a trace. Every contact leaves a trace. I've left something of my DNA on that chair because I've sat on it. I've left something of me. But the truth is, as Christians, what does it say about Jesus? He left a sweet fragrance. What should we believe in in the communities to our neighbour? We should believe in something of Jesus, something of love, something of when people come and say, there's something different about you. You know, for sports chaplains, when I operated in my role as a chaplain, we talk about pastorally proactive, spiritually reactive. Pastorally looking to help people, looking to serve people, looking just to you know, be with people and, and, and be that safety net of listening and, and letting people downloading. And then we call spiritually reactive. I never had to tell people God loved you. I never had to step out of the boundaries that we said we will operate within these boundaries. I always had people come and ask me, what's different about you? Why do you do what you do? And I have then every right to ask, answer that question. I do what I do because God first loved me. Don't make sense. But I believe there's a creator of the whole of the universe that loves you. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I want to serve you. That's why I want to love on you. That's why I want to try and make a difference. See, church is not now. You are, we're all called by Peter to be living stones. Church is not just now at your 11 o'clock service or your 9 o'clock service or your 6 o'clock Church is 24-7. Church is you, how you leave this building, how you smile, how you look at that attendant, how you give that nice look or that dirty look, how you speak life or how you curse someone. What are you going to do? Are we just going to play games? Are we going to play religion? Religion, set of rules and regulations, are we going to play relationship? Life-changing. Heart bleeding. Doesn't look pleasant till you get to eternity. And tea is not for time out, that some of you are probably thinking I want some time out here. But tea is for transformation. And it says this do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able uh, to you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Awesome. I want to encourage you, if you read your Bible, and every single one of you should, because it's the most life-giving word. If you're struggling at times, put your audio app on and just let the word of God wash over you. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. If you haven't got any energy, just sit on your bed and listen to the word of God. It will build you. But I also want to encourage you, don't just look at the Bible as in one translation, your favorite translation. Look at it through other translations. The message, the NIV, the good news. Why? Because it's like looking at a diamond and another light hits it and you just get fresh revelation. And this same scripture read in the message says this, and I'm going to slightly paraphrase one bit. So please forgive me. Well, I'm not asking you to forgive me, really. I'm going to do it anyway. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. You're dropping the kids off at the gym, the schoolyard, going to the gym, going to football, whatever that might be, going for a cycle, doing your rumba class, going for a swim, whatever that everyday, ordinary life is. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you'll fit in with it, even without thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Wow. Readily recognize what he wants from you 
and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops a well-formed individual. You know when you don't forgive? Forgiveness. It, you know, it's like bitterness. It's like drinking poison and thinking someone else is going to get done. The whole point of forgiveness is to set yourself free. You know when someone upsets you most of the time? They're quite oblivious. And even if they're not oblivious, they're not bothered. But if you don't forgive them, you cannot operate and walk in the freedom that God's got for you. That's transformation. I said sport is an activity, but sport's innate in and of itself. But when a club wins, communities are impacted. The economy goes up. Pregnancy rates go up. But conversely, the opposite happens when, when a club does poorly. Domestic violence goes up. Why do I say that? Because sport impacts its community. And guess what? If we step into that community, incarnational, carriers of God's presence, we can see a community transformed. You see, there's a great quote by John Wesley. It says this, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places that you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Wow. And John Maxwell says, if your life connects in any way, any way, you're an influencer. The choice is you can either be influenced or you can influence. How are you influencing people? How are you influencing people? So often as Pentecostals, are we Pentecostals in this place, Paul? I hope so. I hope you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We pray for revival, don't we? Well, some of you do. Some of you, what's that? We pray for revival, but the truth is, I believe sometimes God says, I've moved. Your turn. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I believe God's saying, what's your attitude? What's your aptitude? Because his word says, as Paul writes in Ephesians, for we are God's masterpiece. Whatever the world has said to you, you're a failure, useless, you're rubbish. Throw that in the bin. Because the creator of the heavens and the universe says this, you're a masterpiece. You're special, you're important, you're precious. I have placed seeds of greatness inside of you. And Paul writes it like this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he's planned for us a long time ago. God's got good things for you to do. Oh, everything hangs on this. Hold your breath. Oh, it's for obedience. It talks about therefore the Great Commission. Go. We can either obey God and go, or we can say to God, go get lost. That's harsh, isn't it? But the truth is, if we don't obey God's word, if we don't obey God's calling, that's exactly what we're doing. And God's saying to go. Go, go, go. Don't look at them because they may meet at a similar time to you and see it as competition, but see them as a, as a people that God loves and wants to see transformation take place in their life. Go to that community and be the hands and feet of Jesus, not a finger pointing, but hands open, saying, I love you, I believe in you, I want to bless you. Miss your day, God sends his son, the son sends the Holy Spirit, and we're sent we're sent people to go into the communities that he's placed us in. We've got to turn our rhetoric into reality, church. 
You've got to stop saying I love people when you don't even love yourself and you don't even love your family. How does that make our God feel? God loves you. And out of that love, we're supposed to be spurred on to do the good things that he's got for us to do. It says this by David Bosch, mission is not primarily an activity of the church, but an attribute of God. God is a missionary God. We'll put that the screen now. Just change the slide, please. Sport. See what God sees. Look at a community through the eyes of a compassionate God. P, pray. Pray for that community. Because when you see something different, you'll pray differently. Oh, obedience. Go, go, go. Don't give excuses. You, God doesn't forgive excuses. He forgives sins and, rep- and you re- re- repent. So often we just give God excuses. Be obedient and go. And guess what? Just as that great theologian Rocky Balboa said, it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Church, we've become soft and weak and guess what? You've got to take some hits. But you've got to get back up again because you can't do it in your own strength. You can only do it in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get up again. The hours of pain and hurt and prejudice and racism and everything, you've got to get up again. Because you can't look at a community through that, that, those eyes of hurt and pain. You've got to look through the eyes of a compassionate God who loves you. And therefore you will be compelled to respond differently. And when we're compelled to respond differently, we'll do different things. We'll be the, we'll be the change that God's asked us to be. Don't let people tell you can't do it. However old or young you are, you can do whatever God's asked you to do. Small things done consistently create massive change. Don't let people belittle you. Don't let people talk down at you. You serve an awesome God. You serve a mighty God. Create the heavens and the universe. Believe what he says about you, not what other people say. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit passionate. Ah, relationship. It all hangs on obedience, but it's all about relationship. Not programs, not processes, but relationship. Build long-lasting relationships. We're not into quick wins. We're on to building, to impact a community. T's for transformation. Be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see. St. Augustine, or I believe it's a tribute to St. Augustine, love God and do what you will. For if you love God, you'll do what God loves. Church, can I ask you to stand, please? Guys, this isn't said from a position of strength. This is said from a position of weakness. I'm a nobody. I'm broken. I'm just willing. Are you willing today? Are you willing to step out and maybe take a hit and maybe bleed and maybe cry, but stop seeing the temporal and start seeing the eternal? If my mum saw the temporal, she would never have been the woman of God. She was. She was abused and beaten as a child. And if you blamed on nature and nurture, she would have had every reason to give up on life and certainly not be a nice person. But she had a relationship with a living saviour that changed her, that she saw through eyes of compassion that made her impact people's lives because she saw people as important and precious. Not processes, not programmes, but people. And she offered her hands out to love on them And that's her eternal legacy. She's living in glory now. But eternal legacy is because she saw what God saw. 
She got a revelation of what God saw. Get that revelation this morning. Scripture says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here. I'm here to be a light. What's the name of this church? Come on, guys. You must have seen it when you walked in. It's there. Lighthouse. Why? Why a lighthouse? Because it brings light. It stops people crashing on the rocks. We're called to be light. Bringing out the God colours. The God colours are already there, but we're so busy judging at times. We can't see them. But when we see through the eyes of a compassionate God, we see that broken life. Instead of speaking and judgment, we speak life and hope to the hopeless. God is not a secret to be kept. Well, we're going public with this. My life is going to shine because I'm going to go public with this. I'm going to watch what I say. I'm not going to have a judgmental view. My face isn't going to judge you. I'm going to be compassionate towards you. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you up there on a light stand. Now I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand. Shine. Apples produce, apple trees produce apples, fruit trees produce fruit, and so often we're caught the shine, and yet we look constipated trying to force something. And all we've got to do is say, God, use me. God, forgive me. But today I choose to be a vessel of your love and hope to a broken generation. Now I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Man, Father God, I just thank you for each person in this room and each person hearing over the internet. Lord, I thank you that you care for them. You have a plan and purpose for them. Lord, that you have things, great things for them to do. Lord, and right now I pray for those hurting people, those people that may be grieving, those people that may be going through a tough time. May they hear in the, in the, in the pain of the moment the echoes of your voice saying, I love you, I care for you, I am walking with you. I will, like eagle's wings, I will trip, but I will sustain you and lift you up on eagle's wings. Father, give us, instead of a temporal view, give us that eternal view. Not a five-year view, not a 10-year view, not even an 80-year view, but give us that eternal view that when we step out for you, when we step out and be your hands and feet, we're leaving something special. We're leaving something of your DNA. So Father, right now, touch each person by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, may I be bold enough to say, have your way in our lives, now and this week, and every single day as we, we walk forward as a church of God. Father, we love you. We, we honor you. We bless your holy name. Touch us now by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your precious and wonderful name's sake, we ask this. Amen and amen.